Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash launch left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D. LD.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Hello, welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I, of course, am Matt Dwyer as I am every week and unfortunately every day. Every waking second and every sleeping second, I am Matt Dwyer. And sometimes, you know what? That's not the best thing. And sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, you're you, you. How did you get to be you, you? You're an all right you. And sometimes I'm like, oh, it's you again, you. Oh, well, you. I'm stuck with you. Whatever. Got to deal with it, you. Okay, you. Let's take a U-turn, you. <laughs> um, that's wordplay. That's what we call that in the comedy business. That theme song playing there, that's Les Blanks. Um, that's a, they're an amazing band. Go to lesblanks.com. Check them out. Buy their music. Uh, I just I love that song, and I'm really thankful that they allow me to use that song. If you haven't listened to Conversations with Matt Dwyer before, it's just that. I have conversations with all kinds of people, and I make uh, weird sort of comments in between about my awful life. Um and uh, I've talked to everybody, you know, art dealers for John Wayne Gacy to uh, psychics. You know, I'll talk to anybody. It's it's uh, really exciting, really fun, really funny. Today, I'm talking with a female butcher, which is pretty awesome. I know that's, uh, you go, what? How is that? But it happens, people. Women can chop up meat, too. In fact, um, women can kill people. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, let's get on to this conversation with Melissa Cortina. Hi, I'm uh, actually sitting in the house of Melissa Cortina in Echo Park. So if you hear some sirens uh, while we're conversing, uh, that's because uh, it's Echo Park and somebody either got shot. And I actually, maybe I may have shot a few people on the way here. Because, uh, you know, like when in Rome, am I right? <laughs> and you also might hear some uh, neighbors uh, talking or uh, drinking. Um, but <laughs> daytime drinking. <laughs> daytime drinking, which I did a lot when I lived in Echo Park. That's what we do here. It is. And that's the voice of uh, Melissa Cortina. Um, let me, so, and you are a female butcher. Yes. You are. Uh, so you're a female butcher. Now, I don't understand um, why such a pretty girl hates um Men so much. I'm kidding. (laughs) Why do you hate being pretty that you have to ugly yourself with the blood of a pig? Oh, that's so unfair. (laughs) And it's funny that you bring up the blood of a pig. I just had my roommate was laughing that you were coming because I had some in the fridge. I I have very understanding roommates and I brought home pig's blood to cook with. Wow. You're like a living version of the movie Carrie. Yeah. So so now do you you don't have a restaurant. You kind of is it a catering thing? I don't really know because I looked for a store because I wanted to. No, I have I have two things. Um, the pig and I think you saw me via pig and pastry. That's the email, yeah. and that's my own separate company. Mm-hmm. But I work for Lindy and Grundy's Meats, um, the butcher shop in West Hollywood. West Hollywood. Oh, that's the two ladies who own that place. Exactly. Because every time I said I was going to interview you, people would say, "Oh, that place," because that place is pretty famous. Right. 
I need some veal. I'm going to make aku bukaku or whatever. Osabuko? Yeah, yeah. There's this, <laughs> this girl who likes it, and I want to impress her, and God knows my looks ain't going to do it. <laughs> no, that's not true. You we, have glaucoma. We, uh, we get wonderful veal. I'm going to, okay. I'm gonna. So you can get some from us. All right. So, uh, and what is the other business that you do? It's a small baking company. I just started it and I do, I'm hoping it'll grow into a few other things, but I do basically like um, meat pies. Meat pies? I, it's a combination of my butcher and baker selves. Okay. Now, how does, uh, now I, and I other things. And other things. Pies, yeah. You do, you're a woman of multi talents. Now, I, when I first heard that you were a female butcher, I was like, um, the uh, the man in me who still is stuck in the patriarchy, if I may uh, <laughs> get uh, feminist about it, um, that that part of me was like, wow, that's fascinating, a woman butcher. And then the the cool guy in me, I was going to say liberal, but everybody hates that word, which is wrong to hate that word, unless you're a Republican and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> we'll just end it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, then I was like, well, that's really chauvinist of you, Dwyer, to think that. That uh, well, but I mean, it is a little uncommon, would you not say? Well, that's what I I was wanting to ask you why it's so unusual, because I I knew that's the you know the reason you wanted to interview me because I'm a female butcher and why why is it that that's so unusual and I I suppose I asked the boys who I work with because I work uh, I have a team of of guys there are only the two women owners and me who are females in the shop. And they said it's it's only because it's not seen very often and it's uncommon. It's not, um, and don't ask me questions. That's my job. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think um, it's not. I mean, I would have wanted to talk to a butcher anyway because I'm like I'm going to talk to dry cleaners and all kinds of stuff. But um, that just seemed a little bit more interesting because probably it affects your other life, your life life. Prob- I would imagine because I'm sure you get a lot of weird react. Like I do. I think a lot about that. I try. I, I've, I've classified the, the reactions and they're usually, I used to be a cook and so people were really excited about that. Well, first I was a graduate student and people were bored by that. What so were you people a, ask you what you do and you say, I'm a graduate student. They're like, oh, okay. What were you a graduate student in of? In literature. So you, I had yeah. my master's. So like you're, uh, when you're chopping up pigs and, and beef and whatnot, you're, uh, you're like thinking about Chaucer? Have Not always, but I do have a small office, and there's poems and things hanging up inside. Who would be one of your favorite poets? Um, that poem is by Mary Oliver that I have hanging up. I have wild geese hanging up. I don't know Mary Oliver. Oh, it's a wonderful. If she doesn't drink and uh, have unprotected sex, I don't want to read about it. I'm not sure if she does. Yeah, I just that's a or did common joke <laughs> of mine because I feel like a, too many people go into the uh, the that plane is flying over. That's PETA, right? They're protesting you. <laughs> they are near here. The headquarters is near here. I know. I kind of want to talk to one of them, but I i mean, I'm an avid, uh, I grew up in Chicago. Eating meat is uh, a thing I like to do. You need to come to our shop. I'm going to come but to your shop. In any case, so people think it's boring when you're a graduate student, and then I became a cook, and that was really exciting, and people you know, want to talk about food and, and everything that they like to eat. But when I tell people I'm a butcher, they, they either don't believe it, or they ask why. Why, why do, what, what, yeah, what, why do they ask why? What do you think that is? They don't get it. Because I'm a girl. I look relatively young, I think. You do look, I was <laughs> guessing 15, which and then I legally can't be here. So this is going to get awkward. Well, I'm 30 and. You don't look 30. No, apparently. But apparently you can't be a, a young girl and be a butcher. It's, it's incongruous. I think somehow. there's like that stereotype of, you think, uh, you go back to the 50s and it's like a guy and he's a big beefy dude and he's. There's definitely Hank. that stereotype. Maybe you should just change your name to Hank and then nobody will question it. But most people, even even older people who used to visit butcher shops, I guess they, they have that stereotype, but they just don't understand why I would want to do that. Not, it's exactly the question you open the conversation with. Like, <laughs> why would a pretty girl want to be a butcher? I love to condescend my guests right <laughs> off the bat, and I think it makes them comfortable and trust me, frankly. I also do that in my uh, relationships <laughs> with women. I try to control everything with negativity. Successful strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm alone, so it, it's working out. Um, so, have you ever dated anybody though who's like what, like won't participate in it? No, no, it's never been a major problem. But I haven't been a butcher. I've I've become a only a butcher in the past year. 
but I've been chasing being a butcher for probably four years. So it's always been kind of combination butcher and cook and, and people, most young people and guys especially tend to think that's kind of cool. I think it's pretty awesome. It, it there's a, I think that's kind of sexy. It's not if it's a guy Hank, but that's not my... Uh, <laughs> if I change my name to Hank. Um, yeah, but guy. I said guy named Hank. <laughs> um, but and then, then how did you suddenly you're like, all right, I'm cooking, I'm doing these things. And then how were you like, hey, I know what I want to do. I want to spend my uh, days knee deep in guts and blood. <laughs> I know. It's odd, isn't it? I don't know. I, I was a cook in, a, in an amazing restaurant. And what, what happened is that I left graduate school and I kind of, I became a baker because that's the only place I could get hired. And I kind of, through that, weaseled my way into this really amazing kitchen, working for this James Beard award-winning chef. And, and I started way at the bottom. But I was always, uh, I worked for two people who were excellent butchers. And so I was always watching them and really fascinated by it. And at the same time, I was kind of um, gaining this interest in sustainability and old ways of cooking and old ways of preserving and all of those things. And so eventually all my culinary interest kind of turns towards that aspect of it, doing preserving, whether it be a fruits and vegetables or, or meat, charcuterie, those French arts, salumi, the, the Italian what version. Is, oh, salumi is uh, the Italian version of? Yeah, uh, like salami, prosciutto, doing French terrines and Guys who owe you money. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved all that stuff. And so I realized that if I wanted to do that well, then I had to be a butcher also to understand and I also felt like it was really alarming to me how you could be a cook and be a chef and not have any idea where things came from or um, what the animal looked like as a whole. So part of it was a curiosity, too. You just you wanted to know the whole shindig? Yeah. You, you search for wisdom. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> One could say. I think, see, that's, but that does, that does say, like, you know, you're not just content doing, like, hey, I'm just going to fucking fillet this stuff. And you want to know the whole shebang. And that's an yeah. interesting point. It's very freeing as a cook because now I know exactly where something comes from and I always know how to cook it by technique man your boyfriends must be thrilled like I mean because <laughs> it's like oh, I'm gonna make dinner tonight they must be like fuck yeah well I'm single I've been single lately how is this possible know. maybe it's maybe it, I've been wondering about that I think maybe it's a little overwhelming or intimidating I don't know is yeah that true? I <laughs> no I don't think it is not not for this guy violins come in right now when we just stare <laughs> at each other for the next hour um i i think no i think it's i think it's fascinating i mean if a guy is intimidated by it then you wouldn't want to be with that guy anyway wouldn't you think yeah because it's not very intimidating i don't think but no but the male ego is a frail and petty stupid thing and if you see me at work it's different i'm not you know i have like cha chain mail on aprons and i'm i have a lot know, of fetishes <laughs> this is working <laughs> we wear our knives around our waist and so it's, it's kind of uh a medieval I'm, outfit. I'm sure there's a lot of dudes who would get into that. <laughs> but they probably, you know, are want to be dominated. <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything about that. Um, but so how long is uh, but Butcher Eye School? That's what it's called, right? Butcher Eye? Absolutely. Yeah. How did you know that? I, I do my research. Well done. Uh, you don't go to school now, which is unfortunate. I think it's really um, a sad thing for people who want to learn to butcher. For me, it was really hard. And especially looking the, looking like a young <laughs> a young woman, um, people, men, older men, I have found, didn't really want to teach me to be a butcher. After I, I left the restaurant to come home, because I was in Boston, to come back to L.A. and learn to be a butcher, and I couldn't get a job anywhere. I eventually ended up at Whole Foods, and I, I begged them to put me in the butcher department, and they didn't want to. They put me in the bakery. Because you're a dame? I think so. I think but they, they wouldn't would deny that, but... Well, yeah, because you could sue the I, shit out I, of them. I really had to beg them and push them. And even then, it, at, at a certain point, I just gave up and said, you know, I don't even want to learn that because it's not real butchering anyway. And so um, I tried to go around to butcher shops in L.A., and I would show up and say, you know, I just want to learn. I'll work for free. And people said no, mostly. Isn't it, isn't it, I want to follow up on that that's not real butchering thing, but I want, before I do that, I think it's interesting that in this... 2012 or whatever that 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 stuff is still an issue where it's like oh you're a girl and blah, blah. yeah it is it really is an issue and don't I, get me wrong you should be making babies but i <laughs> but i don't let my personal opinions get into the show no it's 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 absurd it's like can and that's why i felt like an idiot when i was like oh female butcher but then i was like you're an asshole no, dwyer you're completely right and this is something that i struggle with a lot at work because 
I, I work with a team of guys who are wonderful and would never think that way. And they respect me for what I do. And I, I teach them very often um, because they're all learning how to butcher. And they, they would never think that. But they have a hard time understanding that I've experienced it a lot where men just don't take me seriously right. because of what I do or they didn't want to teach me or they thought because certain things are harder for me or yeah. Like what would be harder for you? Well, you probably cry a lot. I, I cried and they just think that's weird. Sometimes you just break out and start knitting some booties. Yeah, to put on the hooves. Of yeah. The pigs. That, yeah. See, that's, I don't <laughs> think that's, touch. that's, I think that's needed in butcher eye. Well, there are certain, there are certain things that are a little more awkward, I think for a woman. And this is, I think this is a really interesting conversation because people might want to say that it's not true that women butcher differently. But one of the boys just brought it up at work recently that he noticed that the girls never, any of the women in the shop never slam things on the table, and the boys always do that. They'll cut something off an animal, and then they just throw it down on the table. There's always this kind of forcefulness, which is helpful to them in certain ways because you have to be kind of strong to saw things. We break only whole animals in the butcher shop where I work, and, and I was trained to do that in Italy and at that shop. And um, so certain motions, I think, can be harder for a woman because I'm not as strong in my upper body, I think in general as a guy is and so like sawing came harder to me and I um I felt like an idiot having to do it in front of all the guys and also there's a certain way of breaking uh, I say breaking when we say butchering of butchering beef is that what the the term is the term is breaking beef (laughs) I was breaking uh a hindquarter the leg part of beef and there's a motion where you have to hit something with the back of a knife really hard to kind of crack a bone and I struggled with that for months and no, really you can do it. Humiliating. I can do it now, but I'll never. I've always struggled with it. So there's an alternative, though. That's the thing. You don't have to muscle everything or be that strong. I can. I can do something else instead. Yeah, what a shock! Guys are trying to force things. I mean, the, <laughs> like when you said the thing about slamming, I'm like, yeah, that's that just seems like guys being like fucking doing guy yeah. work, and it's like that's unnecessary. There's a kind of bravado about it, and that's why he pointed it out. In fact, because I think he realized that he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to be that that guy. So, so, so you're bringing sensitivity to the male butchers, right? right? I try. I do teach them that. I see them all the time when I te- there's a motion that I that we teach them, and and I see them trying to muscle it all the time. Where if you go at it with more finesse and kind of know exactly where you're going, you don't have to muscle it. And I think that's a an advantage to to women butchers often, right? But it's like if, if I was working in a butcher shop and there was sli- I would be like, can we fucking knock this off? Like I need to. Well, they don't do it. It's just have, it was once in a while, or it's just kind of when they get all like amped up and they'll be trying to go fast and right. Just okay, be, they're just more like men. Like that. You know, it's it's in our genetics because we're in a weird way they're being like show offy and be like, hey, I can provide. <laughs> it's just that's been going on since caveman times. <laughs> Look at me, I'm the macho guy who wants to breed. That's the subtext to all but that. I work with a bunch of sensitive new age guys, and so they're like very aware of this and. Yeah. No, you said the thing about um, that's not butchering anyway, because I think because there is that you don't see it much anymore, Mm-mm. and it's kind of sad. Like in when I in a lot of the neighborhoods in Chicago, there used to be every neighborhood had a butcher, and you don't see that anymore, which to me is really sad because a then everyone's getting a lot of shitty uh, meat and processed garbage, which causes cancer. Everybody. Right. I agree with you. Thank Come you. To our shop. Come to your shop. No. Well, you you do come from the great a great butchering town, and LA I think has suffered. Like Chicago has a big resurgence now. Also, there's a bunch of whole animal butcher shops there, and LA is really suffering from that. In fact, when I came back to learn to butcher, this shop wasn't open yet, Lindy and Grundy's, and so I was going around to all these other places where I knew I wanted to learn whatever. I didn't care, so I was trying I was trying to get in, but I knew that they weren't doing real butchering. They're opening bags. They're opening boxes that come from processing plants. Not even all the time at Whole Foods. I see meat that's not even cleaned. They open it out of the bag and put it in a case, and people are just like buying, really? buying it up. Oh, yeah. What do you mean by not cleaned? Well, they don't take the silver skin off for you, or they won't clean the fat, or they won't take certain things that we, every single piece of meat that comes into our shop is handled with a lot of care, and, and it doesn't go into the case unless I know that it's ready for you to go home and cook it. So if I buy a piece of meat at, Whole Foods. This is really interesting because you go because the the our preconceived notion of Whole Foods is everything's healthy, everything's safe. But you're now I'm like. Uh, well, I would honestly, I would never. I only eat meat that comes from our shop, and I know that that sounds so biased. 
But it's because I know exactly where it comes from. It's supremely traceable. And that's what you should be doing with meat these and that's days. The problem, even even with Whole Foods, and that's an, a really interesting conversation because our customers come in all the time asking about Whole Foods or organic or whatever. And to me, it's all the same. If it comes in a box and there are like you know hundreds of chicken breasts in a in a box, how is that traceable? How is that even safe for you to eat? That is, uh, no, it's a great point. Cause, and it's like, I, like I said before, it's like there is this notion because it's Whole Foods. It, but it's like we all forget and people, because recently uh, the owner of Whole Foods was against um, free healthcare and all that stuff. And people are like, that is shocking. I'm like, really? A guy who really? owns a corporation? It's like, you don't think that somebody, like marketing guy was like, oh, hey, there's a bunch of uh, people out there who want organic this and that and this. And they were like, great, I've got the money. Let's do it. And they don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to be bashing Whole Foods per se, because I think that in in the end, they are trying to affect positive change in the food system and, and, and in right. the agricultural and, and the meat industry. But I think it's the wrong direction and it has a lot to do with customer education. And that's impossible for them being as big as they are and as honestly as profit-driven as they are. It's just, you can't, at our shop, unfortunately, we have to tell people no a lot. We can't give you every single thing that you want all the time. And they want that, so that's why they go to Whole Foods. And as far as I'm concerned, it's still all commercial and industrial. Even if they they can claim that all this was raised on grass or this is all grass-fed or whatever, but it's still big scale. Are the price differences between your shop and, uh, is it drastic, what you would say? I don't think it's that drastic. Regarding certain things, maybe. I don't think it's that much. And the difference is, though, that you can't get everything that you want. So for instance, if you want a ribeye, it's going to be cheaper for you at Whole Foods because we try to teach people to eat other parts of the animal. So we've priced the ribeye at more because I there's hate less being, of it. I don't like learning. So that would really, <laughs> I don't want to learn anything new. And especially if it comes to my body and my health, that's none of your business. You're going to love learning at our shop. <laughs> no, I would. That's, see, that's making me immediately think like, I don't want to go to Whole Foods ever again. No. In fact, I'm going to drive in there with like through the front windows and with a, a automatic weapon. Don't say my name. Okay. When I shoot people? Yeah. No, but it will be tattooed on my chest. It already is. That's going to be awkward for me. Um Yeah, I see that's weird because when I was a kid, I remember the local grocery store. I used to I remember seeing big whole cows hanging up and them guys chopping it up and you don't and i've wondered that in the local grocery stores i'm like where's the big uh, side of beef they don't break any of it they don't break any of it no it goes so they're not butchers they're just dudes with boxes and they might chop up some stuff Uh uh-huh yes um precisely wow that's really insane and it's also i think i think it's alarming really to go into the supermarket and see these they don't know who you are you don't know who they are this is a really important, you know, part of your diet if you're a meat eater and, and affects your health quite a lot. And people are very trusting, which is odd because people can be so skeptical about so many other things. And they'll come into the shop and, and ask us. We know exactly where everything comes from. And they'll say, is your meat organic? And I think that's like almost laughable because why would you trust? You're trusting the government to like look over and make sure that everybody's doing everything right. Something can be certified organic and, and be raised right next to a pesticide-riddled field. It doesn't have to be sustainably raised. It doesn't have to be small-scale. It doesn't have to be any of those things. Wait a minute. Are you saying <laughs> my government has flaws in right. its Right. But who would have thought? People don't act like that. And It's weird, <laughs> and I, I, this is a theme I keep coming up to in with like conversations I'm having with people. Is like, we're, you know, like pharmaceuticals, people are just like, well, no, it's for my health. It's like, you don't think those big money people want to get you addicted. And like, it's right. like, they don't give, a, no one cares about you. I'm sorry, they or don't. The, and the FDA is like a, a kind of a disaster. But we do. That's the thing. So people will come into the shop and they don't want to buy our meat sometimes because it's not certified organic. But we know all our customers, all our regulars. We know what they like. We really care. We would never give them something that we didn't stand behind and think was good for them. And that's, I think, one of the main like tenets sort of of what I do now and, and what we do at our shop is kind of build a food community, a small one, where we know each other and, and we care and 
See, but that's that's like really important, and that doesn't exist anymore. Like, and that's like in the old neighborhoods, you went to a different stores, and people, and that's yeah, and that's why the, when I too, when a lot of people say like, oh, so and so, my grandfather, he ate red meat every day, and he did this and that, and I was like, yeah, because the stuff wasn't riddled with right. a million things. Yeah, it's like it's like it's a different era, it's and it's total, like, and it's it's totally clean what we have, and I don't think I mean I don't advocate really eating a ton of meat anyway. But Uh-oh. I know. Interesting. <laughs> no, I just was in Chicago and I ate a ton of meat. Well, I, I do it on occasion. I do work in a butcher shop, so I have a lot of meat around. Right. But um, it, it's best to kind of eat really good meat, I think, when you do and make sure that it's clean. And Yeah, because you said like uh, they don't even take, you said the silver skin? Sometimes. I've seen whole... Um, what is that? What does the silver what is, skin is a like a, a membrane on the outside of meat that is chewy and sort of we classify it as inedible, so we wow. clean it off. We even clean it off um, our trim for our grind, which is something that most people don't do. In a fact, lot of our, your terms have innuendo in it, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it gets probably gets real dirty it's back it's there. Irresistible. <laughs> yes, but uh, so if I bought a piece of meat at Whole Foods. Or I don't know why I keep bad mouthing them. Well, Ralph's, because okay. the Ralph's in my neighborhood is awful. Uh, what do you? Do, what should the process? What should you do? You're like, all right, I got this meat now. Well, what do sometimes I do? it's clean. It depends what you get. Right. I mean, I've seen steaks that are cut that are clean, but um, I've seen an entire bottom round. I remember very distinctly in the Innuendo. case at, at Whole Foods, <laughs> which is a cut from the leg that we make roast beef out of, and um, it just wasn't cleaned up. And I thought if someone went home and tried to roast that and they didn't know that you had to clean it or else if you don't have a butcher knife why would you clean it at home it's just it's so much easier for us to do it at the shop so you'd have to cut like a thin layer of the top yeah exactly and if you're at home and you're doing it i think you would just waste a lot of your meat or else you wouldn't know and then you would try to cut it and it would be this big and if you clean it you should probably you draw a nice warm bath you put on some miles davis light some candles right and you soak it in the tub with salts and uh epsom salts yeah that's it just you treat it like a a real a princess. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna. Well, that'll work out. So, and you never had to like um, kill an animal, did you? I have, How, but I haven't done. Is that a thrill? Because no. I kill homeless people sometimes. <laughs> it's not like that. Oh less man, that, you should do that. Less thrilling. And I got a taco truck. People are like, "This thing's awesome." I'm less. like, "You're eating hobo." Hate to break <laughs> it to you. <laughs> oh yeah, have you tried it? No. Tastes just like chicken. But why kill a chicken there <laughs> when you could eat a hobo? And I'm, I'm helping the population problem. Maybe. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, uh, what did you kill? How'd you kill it? And can you help me kill um, my just my old roommate? Uh, sure thing. And I killed a chicken. I'm looking behind me because I have chickens in my backyard. And they, so we can go, you know, do a demo. <laughs> wow. No, when you come back, do you sometimes me. just like... When you kill a chicken just for fun, you look it in the eye and just say things like, um, remember me. <laughs> this no. is the last thing you're going to see. I try to be respectful. And honestly, I'm not a, I'm not a professional chicken killer by any means. I did right. it on a, I did an apprentice, like an internship on a farm. And, um, and then I worked there for a little while and we had chickens and we just, once they taught us how to harvest them and we did a goat harvest as well, but I didn't actually kill the goat. I just kind of helped clean it and how was it but you didn't kill a goat i didn't kill it no but how was the first time you killed something and was that like how did you what did you feel i found it frankly really traumatizing really i think it's important to to do it and i don't i don't think i'm not one of those people who thinks that if you are going to eat meat you have to see an animal die or i think you have to be willing to accept it but you don't necessarily have to kill something. Everybody has different jobs and different walks of life, and some people are comfortable with that, and some people aren't. And I'm frankly not. I mean, I'll kill a chicken, and I'll, I'll kill a goat if I have to, or I'll go witness the pig killing or be a part of it. But that act, uh, that violent act is hard for me, especially I think if I were going to kill a goat or something, we got to choose between um, shooting it and slitting its throat, and I would, I would have to choose shooting it just because it's the more passive sort of version there isn't that violent act and and there's something about that i think that just has to do with the way you're raised also if you're not exposed to those things when you're young and you i lived in the valley right there, there was no animals no there was a lot arms, of throat slitting in my childhood <laughs> no throat slitting uh it's so. interesting because my um my friend david keckner he's an anchorman i don't need to name drop yes i know celebrities <laughs> i'm a fancy guy oh. 
but he grew up in a very small town in Missouri of like 2,000 people. And his father probably grew, grew up in that town, but whatever. He grew up on a farm, and they were like hanging out one day, and a rabbit came by, and his dad grabbed the rabbit and snapped its neck and killed it. And he was like, oh, you got to... And Dave was like, what the hell did you do that for? And he was like, it's protection. And like they used to do that on the farm because the rabbits would eat all the... And it was like... So that's what I think people right. forget about when they're vegetarians and all the things. Like, there's a survival to it, and that's why a lot of this, you know. Right. There, there absolutely is, and and we we take it at the shop. We say it's a very first world kind of notion to to not see it as a survival technique or or a thing of necessity. To, to be a vegan is a bit, I think, privileged. It's a privilege. Um, because if you're in. Um, in a lot of places, I don't even have to name them. If you're in 80% of the world, you, you don't have a goddamn choice of what you're eating. Right. And I, I did, I did go to uh, a while, a few years ago, I went to Africa on a separate thing, not, not related to butchering. Just spread but... AIDS. <laughs> Just... <laughs> that yeah. was a little too much. <laughs> There's a lot of AIDS in Africa. Another great reason to be in one of these first world countries. Safe. I can be a vegan and I don't get AIDS. But there was a six year old who uh, just, I saw him just grab a chicken and wring it by its neck. And it was like, he was all excited because he was going to eat chicken. And it was, you know, not, not a big deal at all. It's, right. We, we tend to overthink things, I think. And, and there's, there's something that's nice about that and right, because we think a lot about what we think is right or ethical. But there is. It's also, though, and it's like, if you take, you say, I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but like, we never had a war in this country. Like, I mean, 9-11, yeah. But, I mean, we never had a long, drawn-out war where people got shot up and killed. And so, and that's why, like, if our, it's weird. Our films are very violent. And European films tend, you know, there's, they're a lot less tolerant of violence and more uh, accepting of sex in films. And we're really uptight about sex. Right. And it's like, it's weird. And a lot of people do equate that with, like, you know, we're overly sensitive to some things because it's like, did that make sense? I think it did. Yes. But I think, like, with meat and stuff, I feel like my point got lost. No, we're overly, we, we over. We overthink things. Oh, uh, yeah. We're sensitive to it, yes. Yeah, and it's, I feel like we're getting too sensitive in a lot of areas. Well, yeah, and it's weird with food, though. It's a different thing because our whole, we have, like, a, you know, a national eating disorder. And so, especially with food, it's really, it's overwhelming. Even in my job, I feel assaulted by people's dietary choices all the time. People come in and they tell me about their new diet and how it's helping their health and all this stuff all, all day. They want to convert me. I have customers who are on the paleo diet. I don't even know what that is. Which I think is... Oh, like paleolithic? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, tons because they eat, they eat a ton of meat. They eat a lot so of mammoth? shop a lot at our store. You're only allowed to have grass-fed. I have people who are on the raw diet and they eat raw meat, even raw chicken. That's... And they tell me all about this. I have people I who eat raw chicken. are vegan except for the meat from our shop. People who only drink meat broths and they want to come in and get bones from us. It's just, and, and everybody ha is convinced that they know what is the, you know, this is the healthiest way. Isn't that weird? And it's also, I mean, that goes into immoderate. so many facets of our culture too. Cause it's like, we get that with religion. We get that with politics. You get that with music. And it's like, just fucking everyone shut up and just do what you do and leave us alone. We have a hard time with moderation in everything else, which is interesting because on the political scale, I don't, our country is relatively in the middle. I think, in terms I think of like our party, our two major parties are almost the same. Not really, but you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, they answer and not to sound like overly, at the end of the day, it's like when people are like, oh, no, Obama, and I'm not shit-talking Obama, I'll probably vote, but people are like, he's a, he's a real human being. It's like, he's a politician, and at the end of the day, that guy is doing what they all do, and that's answered to the money, and I mean, yeah. I just talked to two marijuana defense lawyers, and they were saying like, and we all know now, he smoked a shit ton of weed, but the DEA's main focus right now is marijuana it's like that doesn't even make sense yeah it's absurd anyway yeah. got off on a tangent there <laughs> but um now when we, we did sort of touch base on uh, touch on it a little bit of uh did, did you guys ever get protested by uh PETA or any of that not yet we've only been open for a year but my mentor one of them my teacher dario cicchini is a very famous That's italian a great butcher. name Probably the most famous butcher in the world. Wasn't he a character in a Marx one. Brothers movie? No, that's what he that's is sound. quite a character. Yeah. 
No, but he was here doing a, a lesson in butchery at um, Pizzeria Mozza, I think, and, and there were a few PETA demonstrators there. And he actually, he's wonderful and, and magical in many ways, but he went outside and took a photo with them. <laughs> that was his response. That's pretty great. He wants to be friends with everybody. He doesn't. How did they respond to that? They took the photo. They had a model out there who was more or less almost nude, and she had drawn on the cuts of meat on herself. There are photos online. And he went outside and just kind of made friends and took a picture with her. I, I don't know why she was protesting in the first place. She she was naked? Almost. I just, there's, the, there's such a uh, irony in this. Yeah. Like, you're objectifying yourself to a degree. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, do you not, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm maybe I was, I'm, this is what I'm curious about with Peter. Is like, you know, there's all those stories. They go toss buckets of blood or paint, whatever, on people wearing fur coats. And it's like, so it's acceptable to be cruel to human beings? Like, it's, there's a... This is an interesting thing because that's what this person, Dario, he told me once, I, I remember so distinctly, that you don't win wars by fighting. You just, you, you don't win by, by creating more um, Yeah, that's... So, Boy, so you think we would learn that by now, but it's like, nah, we'll just keep uh, blowing shit up. Yeah, or we'll just keep, you know, we're going to protest or we're going to do something violent, yeah, towards other people. And how is that? They feel that strongly about it. There are ways to go to go about advocating what you believe, I think. Part of me just thinks that girl wanted to run around scantily clad. I think so, because then, then once the photographers came and she was taking the picture with Dario, you know, she was posing and she was totally happy. It's, I think there's very few people <laughs> who, you know, are completely altruistic. You know, I mean, I think Gandhi and Martin Luther King were probably dudes who were really like, I don't think they were like, wait a minute, where, where am I? Like, I think they were completely selfless. Where that just sounds to me, it's like, you just want attention. Yeah, she's a model. She did just want attention, I think. Yeah, they're so. known for their brains. <laughs> gonna get some emails from the model got a big model listenership no. out there tons of they keep emailing Sorry. me yeah sending me naked photos not of themselves of really ugly people to intimidate me um yeah but it, so what is your do you like agree with PETA at all or do you like I mean have you ever been a vegetarian because it seems like almost everybody in the world like there's that teen period too where you're like where I was like I'm a vegetarian I went through a period of three months where I was sort of a vegetarian just because I didn't see meat eating as like that necessary to me. And even now, I honest, quite frankly, I try to be as vegan as possible just because I think it's more sustainable and more ethically responsible. But I do eat meat, obviously. What about uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the environment? Because a lot of people think that... Right, exactly. There, there's like a, a multitude of reasons why it's better to be primarily vegan. It's better for your health, I think. I think it's better for... Um, for the environment and it's better for I think local food economies that can't sustain mass quantities of, of meat eating or dairy production I mean people often neglect the whole the dairy system where are the protesters for that it's kind of disgusting vegans or pita pro right. probably protest. just the vegans but not I, I just I, I advocate moderation I guess so yeah I was just in the Midwest for like two weeks and the only thing they're they're not um, they're moderate about is being really skinny because <laughs> it's like it's alarming but it's i mean it's like it's just insane how huge i mean huge and kids yeah i know well and that's the thing so i went i was a vegetarian for a little while but i was having you know um problems with my own having grown up in a country where there's this kind of national eating disorder and nobody knows how to eat or what to eat or what's right and there's a big debate about What's the healthiest way to be, low-fat or whatever, like I already said. And then I went to Italy for a year as an undergraduate, and that changed everything. That's eventually why I became a cook and probably now why I'm a butcher. It but, changed your perspective on food and eating? And all. Yeah. And how, how so? Uh, well, there are very – food is something that you enjoy there. That's all. You just put a lot of care into it. There's a lot of integrity. Somebody would never sell you or feed you something that they don't think is good for you. Um, and, and it's – it also is part of a a culture, a community, and it brings people together. It's something that you sit down and, and do, not in the car, not standing up, not, you know, it's not something that's taken for granted, since it is something that is so important to our health. And there are rituals about it, too, and, and that kind of established um, tradition, I think, makes it easier for people there to maintain a healthy weight and, and 
Yeah, there's a more, it's like, it's a social thing. Yeah, where it's us, it's like you said, it's like, cram that shit in your face and get going. Yeah, and there I learned, like, my roommates were very strict, but they, they ate everything, but they were very thin and, and healthy, but they would eat in the morning, and then they would all eat together at lunch, make a big lunch, they would have a snack, and then they would eat all together at dinner again at certain times, and and it wasn't a big debate about, whether or not we should eat meat or whether or not we should be eating any bread or is there is the would you say the vegetarian population is less in those definitely less that's interesting but there is a a small contingency i always i love when people are like yeah well you know the french eat a lot of cheese and and meat and they're in smoke a lot and and they're healthy it's like yeah well their cheese isn't orange and it's not a pot a a, a powder that they put it yeah. <laughs> that you put on like it's like that's not cheese you're eating and you're eating bullshit very aware of what it means to have too much of it if 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 you go there and you take like you know the whole plate they'll point it out to you you know it's not something that you have a ton of and and it's made carefully you're exactly right and and so it's different yeah we had that we have that mentality of like finish your plate and like but it's like my plate is over like you're killing me it's too much yeah and they would never serve you that much i mean the dichotomy there between their food culture and ours is vast and yeah i like that bloomberg in new york is like coming down on soda pop I didn't see that. It was in the New York Times either today or yesterday. But he's like, he's like, it's we have an epidemic in this country, and he's like, he's saying no, like he's really trying to limit the because it's it's messed up because in high schools and stuff they have venom. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like I worked with kids in uh, New York. I worked with uh, um, like uh, they had learning disability and like emotionally challenged and all this stuff. And it's like, I would see what they had for lunch and I'm like, Oh, I, I can probably solve a lot of your children's problems by, cause they were like six and drinking cans of Coke, eating candy and eating shitty slices of pizza. I'm like, this is why your kid can't do fuck all. And it was known after lunch, you have an hour and a half of like pure, it like becomes Lord of the flies. And this is a major national problem. It's, it's all along the same lines and it, the soda is a problem, but it goes so deep it's overwhelming with the with the agricultural system and how how much it's dominated by the root of the soda the corn and isn't it yeah how much meat the meat industry is dominated by that as well and and how people i think on so it, it's so relevant to so many aspects of their lives that i just can't understand why it's hard for people as consumers to understand how much power they have to change that people are starting to especially on either side of the country. It's moving inward, I think, a movement towards using your consumer power to to really uh, make that change. But I think it's a, a long ways out and and people don't realize the effect it's having like you're pointing out on their minds and their health and you eat a lot of garbage and you feel like you feel shitty. I mean, you get depressed, you get moody, you It I think it literally makes you dull-witted. Honestly, like it, it just it, it slows you and it's it's bad for you and it's, it, this is actually something that i care a lot about because my stepmom right now is struggling with cancer and she's probably going to going to die from it and she called me when she got diagnosed and she said i wish i had listened to you wow because everything that all her doctors were telling her was you need to change your diet you should have changed your diet and she was a smoker and there's all these other reasons but she said that to me and that's that's what i you know <laughs> That's what I would say to everybody. It's like, know where your food comes from and know what you're eating. And Craft. Yeah. comes from craft. I know where it's coming from. <laughs> right, Why are you getting down on factory. me? <laughs> Great. I mean, you eat it. But like you were saying about meat, like there's, because uh, I was in, I'm, I try to eat a lot of, but you, you said the thing about organic. It's like, that's not always the best or grass fed. But it's like, I was eating at the steak joint in Chicago and I asked about the grass fed, and got, but grain fed, there's, what are the different elements of, what are the different things they cram in the cows? And, <laughs> well, and, and what shouldn't, what should we really avoid? And it's, it is really hard for consumers. I think it's overwhelming and I get overwhelmed. So that's understandable and you do the best you can. So if, we're, if that means you buy organic, than organic because it is better than conventional at least then you know it doesn't have pesticide residues probably and, and antibiotics and, and things like that but um, that's always organic is that way no right. pesticides right well tech technically right though i think that's a really hard thing to control um and they can still have certain types of antibiotics i believe like organic kind of is that still kind of garbagey i think so i, w- I wouldn't I, yeah i wouldn't want that but um, so there's, there's meat that I guess con- is conventionally raised is, is raised in a feedlot. 
you can see them on your way up the five to San Francisco. I've seen those like cows. That. Or that's a feedlot. I mean, that's a feedlot, but I think there are much worse in in Central America. That's weird because I Central always, America, Middle America. <laughs> I always refer to McDonald's as a feedlot. Right, <laughs> it is. It's one for people, but but they'll eat you know um, corn and soy because it's cheap, and it's raised. It's a special type of corn, you know, that's raised. Um, for not for human consumption. And then it's probably not good for us to digest that, no? No, especially because it's not good for the cow. And the cow doesn't grow right. They don't digest it properly either. And that's why they get sick. Mad and cow. <laughs> not, not, no, not necessarily. Mad cow comes from eating... Actually, it's really disgusting. It, it, old animal carcasses being fed to animals. Jesus! Cows. Yeah, that, that pro- the, that's kind of banned now, but that happened. And that happened. Oh, that is banned? Yeah. But again... How how well observed is that stuff? Well, I, I think in that case, that's very well. I think it's it's regulated. I mean, it's, it's there's, yeah. I think it's well regulated. That's a really serious, different kind of problem. So, but so mad <laughs> but, cow is kind of contained these days, right? Yeah, yeah, because it has to do with age, and um, it develops in older animals, and we're not allowed to consume certain parts of those animals that carry that um, disease anymore right so your your animal has to be slaughtered at a younger age so that it can't yeah have you, have you ever been at a party and you say what you do and have you have you ever been elicited anger in people because you uh, you chop up break you break cows <laughs> um n- no I've, i think i've elicited dismay how does that elicit dismay well people just don't they think it's gross or they don't like it or they don't understand also what i do i think they picture me in this kind of bloody apron, like opening bags, or I don't know what they think that I do. But to me, there's this really art, artisan and, and craft element of my job that I really love. I mean, I would not, I, I love my job. I work really hard, really long days, but it's, I feel like it's uh, morally rewarding, ethically rewarding, but How's also. It? I work with my hands. I create things. It's instantly gratifying. It's beautiful. It's important. It it's a part of people's lives every day. I mean, I have customers who I see daily or a few times a week, and and I love those relationships, and it's important to me. So it's really, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> as it should. And what you said was very moving to me, anyway. And it's like, and I don't mean to sound like a weirdo, but like, there was a butcher shop in uh, Old Town in Chicago that I used to go into a lot, and. There was like when meat is, you could tell a difference when meat is really done well and it's like it's out in the counter there and it's all red. It's kind of beautiful. Right. It is. It is beautiful. Some people who are really against meat eating don't see that and they get really dismayed when they come in and they see the whole animals hanging or whatever. But and I understand that. That's that's fine. Don't buy don't buy meat then. But um, if you come in and, and you really look at it, we actually, the girls, the, the owners of the shop I work have designed their counters to look like an adult candy store. And so it is really beautiful, just the, the display and, and the cuts and, and the artisanship of it. There's a lot of control that you have as a butcher over what everything looks like and how it's going to be when you take it home. And I enjoy that a lot. I think that's really great. Uh, no, d- yeah. So do you, when, when you get a piece of meat... Uh, when you like something comes into the store, how, what is what form is it in? We get um, this is really fun. We people have a hard time seeing this too, but we get whole beef in quarters. So there's a hind quarter and there's a fore quarter. They're really heavy. Um, uh, so there's no about. there's no fur on these guys. No, they're skinned and cleaned. We get their awful the liver and the hearts and things like that separately. And they're all, because they're, they're um, done through a, a processing plant that's inspected by the USDA, and so all that stuff has to be separated out and, and, and processed in a certain way. But it's way. still pretty whole. Yeah, it's whole. It's a, it's a quarter. So, um, and then the pigs we get in halves with all the awful they separated. Have, they have the head? Uh, we get the heads separately. But they, we get the heads. And then um, we get chickens in whole and lamb in whole. And this, when this you is, whole, like the... What is whole exactly? Well, the lamb comes as a, it's not, it's skinned and cleaned, 
but it's not broken down into any retail cuts yet. It's a whole lamb. This is going to be a strange question, but how much is uh, an entire pig head? Because I want to put one on a spike and put it on my ex-girlfriend's front door. (laughs) I can get you one for free. (laughs) Oh, you're too good to me. (laughs) Just for that purpose. I don't have any ex-girlfriends in L.A. Don't say that. Do I? I don't think I really do. (laughs) They all move away. That's how terrible it is to date me. I'm kidding. I'm actually a great boyfriend. I pick horrible girlfriends. Um... Uh, so where the hell was I? Yeah. So, oh, you get the whole, you get a whole, and then you got to, and then, then you just. Right. And so one of the, another reason that I love my job, it's, it's endlessly challenging. And what we try to do at the store is use the whole animal to be respectful and talk to our customers, talk them into buying cuts from the, the shoulder of the cow or not just everyone comes in and they want tenderloin. They want beef tenderloin or ribeyes, boneless, skinless chicken breasts and pork chops that's what they know that's yeah that's what they know so my job is to tell them look i have this because i have to sell the whole animal we get the whole thing so uh, is to talk to them about it and say what are you making what do you want to do here i know this this is really great you should try this there are all these other muscles and all these other wonderful cuts that people can get and for us it's really hard also because we get the heads we get the livers we get everything so we're always trying to learn how to use everything but it's great It's, it's a cook's dream I said, what would you suggest? Because I like making beef bourguignon. I, people, Ladies, this is I a, make beef bourguignon. You're the third person this week who's asked me about that. It's, uh, I'm a, I like to try to do French stuff. Me too. I gave our customers this week top round, which I, I like because um, sometimes people come in and they ask for chuck because they know that it's a braise, a, a bourguignon. But um, I don't like the way chuck shreds up. Bourguignon's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to stay cuby, um, as I learned in France. So the top round holds up better, I think. And also, it's not, a, and it's not a supremely long braise. It's like what Bourguignon cooks two and a half hours, about. Right. So uh, the top round is perfect to me. I like it. Have you ever dated a fellow butcher? No. Oh, I would. I was sort of. So, oh, really? <laughs> it's always complicated. Did you have really. a butcher fling? Yeah. Did you break one another? <laughs> <laughs> had to do that one. Uh, so, like, were you working and then maybe, you know, you're like, hey, let's make out. No one's around. Let's make out among the pigs. Never. <laughs> I say miss opportunity, wouldn't you? Because uh, I've, have I, no, I've never really, but I've had, I've slept with girls I've dated at their work. Well, there was no sleeping. This would be inappropriate of me for so many reasons. <laughs> I want to, you know what, when I buy my meat, I want to think people had sex sex around it we're a processing plant i'm not allowed to do that we're officially a processing plant we're regulated by the state that must have been a nightmare to open like i would imagine the loops you have to jump through to be up to code must be insane it's crazy and i wasn't there for the opening of this shop i did another i was in wyoming opening a different kind of store do you travel and do that open help open stores or is that um, just something that happened that was something that happened via a friend who i met while i was studying butchering in italy and um, he asked me to come and help him open this kind of store in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he did kind of whole animal and we did a whole host of other things. Um, so while the, while the shop here was opening, I was constantly reading about the kind of hurdles that they were going through to open. And I went through similar ones. There's crazy, crazy but important steps that you have to go through to become a processing plant. <laughs> so I think this is going to sort of, I think we're near wrapping it up. Did you feel good about this? Yeah. Were you, were you, it's interesting. It goes places you don't, I, I don't know. That's expect. that's the whole goddamn point. I, it's good. It's a good thing. I need your approval. I feel better. I feel like I've said, yeah, don't judge me. <laughs> I think it's absurd that we're still in a place in the world where, I don't know, I said, I, wouldn't it be just better? Like It's like everyone's got to shove their agenda down everyone's throat. And it's like, all it does is cause more hostility. Like It's like, hey, Christian, right. Stop yelling at yeah. me and because and, I don't believe what you get on board with. There was like, we got to spread the message of Christ. It's like, it's, we know what it is. It's been out there for 2,000 years. Let me choose <laughs> and stop well, coming to my door. Then here I am, though. I'm trying to yell at everyone. Hey, look at what you're eating. But that... <laughs> think about it. <laughs> think about it. But it's like, that's a, I think there's element. There's thing, like you said, there's a, like, you feel morally good about your job. I guess, you know, I guess the preacher on the corner feels morally good about his job. But you're not yelling. You're not coming to my door. No. You're doing it in the context of your environment where you work. 
Yeah. So if I walk through those doors, I've welcomed that. If I walk into a church, talk to me about Jesus. Right. If, <laughs> if I'm on my way to a, you know a porn shop, never happens. I just wanted to contradict the <laughs> the religious stuff. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's good also, I mean, uh, I feel better having said too, don't judge me as a girl doing this job. <laughs> if, you, if you meet me, it's it's say, it's well into... Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's fascinating. See, I think if I met you at a party, I just want to ask everything I just asked. And now you don't have to see me at a party and be bored. We got it out of the way. It's then we can just done. get drunk and have a good time. Taken care of. You're big drinker, right? Butchers? Big drinkers. We are. I am. I'm, I don't know. What do you drink? Bourbon. Really? I call it the butcher's combination. We drink bourbon and beer. Not together, but together. As a, as a community. That was something I, that I wanted to... Because that what goes on in your butcher shop is more like a community. And I think... I feel like in this weird time... Because I think like the thing we talked about before we started recording, people are buying vinyl. There's all these things. I think people are tired of this non... There's, everything is so... Sp- and like you can't I think people are yearning for community again and you yeah. see stores like butcher shops and like there's that hair cuttery place in Los Feliz that's like an old school barbershop Sweeney Todd's yeah people want that community again this is really important to me this this conversation could go on forever because I, I that baffles me also uh, regarding the food thing because I think communitarianism is kind of what you're talking about it's kind of an underpinning of, of conservative politics actually and so you would think that a lot of people who aren't actually supporting small-scale agriculture, communi- community food, um, would be. It's it's the underpinning of, of their political beliefs. Yeah, but and they don't. They're the ones who are supporting big agriculture and, and all this stuff. But in, in any case, what you're saying, I, th- I think, is really true, and, and I've noticed it a lot. People are wanting to talk to one another and have relationships, and it's coming back to that, which is good. I, I've always, I come from a broken, weird home, so I have always yearned for <laughs> I've been seeking it out and then making a lot of mistakes in the process. But So you have, so where can we find you? You have a website? I don't have a website. Oh, you have a Facebook thing. I do. I have a Facebook page for Pig and Pastry Pie Company. And what is Pig and Pastry Pie Company? Uh, that's your my, pri- my side project. And that's catering? It's, um, no. I do, I sell things... At Lindy and Grundy's, actually. Oh, right, okay. Shop. I sell, like, chicken pot pies and shepherd's pies and things like that. And then I do events where I'll sell things that are ready to eat. The things I sell at the store are frozen, and you can take them home and cook them. I fucking love chicken pot pie. <laughs> if I had one, I would give you one. I don't have one here. Um, I'm going to hold you to that. So there's and, that, and uh, then I'm at the shop. Where And where is the shop, and do they have a, give, uh, they have a website? Yes, we have a website. It's um, www.lindyandgrundy.com. Okay. Easy enough. And um, we're... In West Hollywood on Fairfax and like Melrose, more or less. And I have some listeners, and this is the truth, in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and Kuwait. I'm sure they could FedEx you a nice steak. <laughs> and if you're, if you're troops, I'm guessing that's troops. Because I don't think uh, rich oil barons probably enjoy my podcast. If you're troops, come on. Just give those guys some free steaks. Am I right? <laughs> I would. I can't ship them. Oh. Well, I could. Maybe. Come to LA, maybe troops. Very Get some locations. steaks. All right. Uh, it was really great meeting you. Uh, this is really fascinating and interesting. And uh, let's go cut something up. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Uh, that concludes Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please donate to us. Uh, go to the website there and donate me some money. You know, if you if you like buying a cup of coffee or something and you like listening to the show, uh, donate, you know, skip a coffee once in a while and... Uh, <laughs> Is that so much to ask? Or just give me a few bucks. Uh, and then helps me buy gas to drive out to weird places and talk to wonderful people so you have an hour of entertainment. Uh, also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter. Or, and also tweet about us. Tell your friends that you like the show. E- email your friends. And also you can buy things. Uh, go to my page on feralaudio.com and uh, go to my page and buy things through the Amazon. I, I get money. I get a kickback. Not me, personally, but the show does, and that helps us produce better quality of shows. I know that sounds very PBS-ish, but uh, that's the way it is. And uh, just tell your friends, I I really am thankful that I have the opportunity to do this show right now in my life. It's pretty awesome. Um, Otherwise, I'd just be sitting at home watching the same Woody Allen movies over and over with my dog, Charlie. So thank you very much, and I hope you keep listening every Wednesday or download me on iTunes and things. Hope your life is good. I hope it's real good. Goodbye.
Feralaudio.com is an artist-friendly podcast collective. Hosted by castmates.fm. Host your own podcast at castmates.fm today. All of our artists reserve the rights to their materials. Your donations directly support your favorite artists, help pay for their show's production, and keep your favorite shows free. Visit feralaudio.com for other original shows and learn about our community of artists that help make this collective possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This outro features the music of the fancy. We are the fancy. Don't the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.